Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, There's a day which is coming when people will abandon sound doctrine and begin finding teachers who will teach what their itching ears want to hear. Let me just give you the news flash. We are living in such a day. During this pandemic, we've had people all over the world and in this country leaving churches just because one sentence was uttered they disagreed with. Okay, show me that in the Bible, number one. It's not there. I disagree. Preston didn't say this, or my pastor didn't say this, or did say that. that show me that in the Bible. Okay. Now, if it's heresy, that, that's one thing. But if they said their favorite color is blue and yours is red and you bounced, and I'm not being political, don't see what I did right there? I was messing with some of y'all. I'm leaving. Because my favorite color is red. Okay, that's not in the Bible. All right? Sometimes I'm called to teach some things your flesh might not want to hear. And even if God calls you to another church, make sure you go to a church that stretches you and doesn't always tell you what you want to hear all the time because that's not scriptural, all right? So let me drop the bomb. Here we go. We're talking about spiritual warfare today. I didn't plan it. I didn't think we're going to cover that in this series. But over the last week, Holly and I have had some pretty intense and lengthy meetings with some people that we walked through some some inner healing and freedom ministry. And I admit, I'm not the smartest man, but I'm also not the dumbest. And when I see a pattern, it's kind of obvious when the Lord's like, hey, we're talking about this this weekend. Okay, I serve at the pleasure of the God of the universe. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And I know for some of us, we'd rather not talk about this. And we would rather not hear verses like this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This word devour literally means to swallow whole with one bite. We have an enemy. You might want to pretend we don't. Jesus directed us in John 17 in his prayer. He prayed to the Father. He said, Father, I've protected all those you've given me during my time here. Now, I'm not asking you to remove them from the world. I am asking you to protect them from the evil one. I'm not making this up. It's all throughout scripture. And I would not be a godly pastor, a godly shepherd, if I refuse to talk about something who so many people have been losing in over this last two years. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the good news is, that's not the entirety of the verse. There's an instruction before the information. Be sober. Be vigilant. This word sober is nafo. It literally means a mind under control. We've all seen some people when they start talking about in the church, spiritual warfare, they get a little, a little, a little wild and freaky. Okay? Jesus didn't do that. So we're going to try and be as biblical as we possibly can and take our cue from Jesus, not just one of his followers. The word vigilant means stay on the lookout. To remain awake. Why must the sheep be 
under control in their minds, but also awake. Here's why. Sheep must be soberly vigilant because Satan is subtly vicious. He is subtly vicious. It's not always overt. And I know many of us as followers of Jesus Christ know we're, we're called sheep in Scripture, but that's not the only thing we're called. We're also called soldiers. I'll read it to you. 2 Timothy 2, 3, just one of the verses. You, therefore, speaking of believers, must endure hardship. How many of us love verses like that? You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why is this so important? If a child of God does not understand they are a soldier at war, they are unknowingly living as a casualty of war. Whether you like it or not, we are at war spiritually. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Isn't it interesting? We know we are children of God and we know the world is under the control of the evil one. Now, the Bible does not teach that Satan rules over the whole world, but he is the ruler over the current system of sinful opposition to God. He does rule over that. Now, some of you, I know, you don't like to talk about the devil and you think that the church shouldn't talk about the devil. Well, the devil would love that. Pretend he doesn't exist. I don't know if any of you heard last week before the war in the Ukraine began what Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday. Troops, thousands and thousands of troops and tanks are coming to the border and everyone all over the world is talking about it now. And did anybody hear the arrogant words he spoke? Very sarcastically, he said, no one goes to war on Wednesday. We're not at war. No, no one goes to war on Wednesday. Anybody know what day it started? A week later. He was trying to convince everybody, oh, oh no, there's no war. Okay, this is how Satan talks. Oh, there's no, no such thing as spiritual warfare. Okay, if, if there's no such thing, why did Jesus pray to the Father that we would be protected from the evil one? Now, why does this matter? That as followers of Jesus, we all understand that there's a spiritual realm we can't see that is highly active. If you don't believe in spiritual warfare, I'd really love if you would write this question and answer down. What's the result of a believer who emphasizes the physical world at the expense of the spiritual realm? Here's the answer. They end up believing spiritual attacks are personal problems. Now, I love clinical counseling when it's godly, but I think we're going a little bit too far in our day with clinical counseling. Okay, some inner healing can happen in a counseling session. But, but let me help you understand something. It doesn't do any good to be healed and remain in bondage. So talking about my feelings all the time, while that's not unimportant, sometimes it's not the most important thing. Because if I am in a spiritual attack, an emotional solution to a spiritual problem will not win the war. So we have to be careful. I'm not saying it's one or the other. It can be both and, but we cannot exalt our feelings 
in a time where we must spiritually respond. Most believers are losing in the area of spiritual warfare because they think it's personal rather than spiritual. And here's what they say. Something's just wrong with me. 22 years I've been in this job. I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours I've spent meeting with people who, can, who will start off a meeting saying, when I say, hey, what's going on? I press on there's something wrong with me. I have some really serious issues. And by the end of the meeting, part of what they come to understand is, this is not nearly as personal as you think. It's spiritual. You're under attack. And that's not an excuse. And I get it. I get some of us just go, I don't like to read scriptures about the devil. I don't like to talk about the devil because I don't want to give him any credit. Here's what I would say. The Bible never compliments Satan. But scripture does talk about Satan, but never compliments Satan, merely exposing Satan. When the Bible talks about Satan, it's to expose, never to compliment. Satan does not have all power. Only God does. Furthermore, when, and we'll talk about this at the end of the message, when Satan fell from heaven, he kept his power but lost his authority. And I'll explain to you why at the end of the message. But he's not as powerful as many of us. I got asked after the last service, can Satan read my mind? No, he can't read your mind. He just takes notes. His army takes notes on my behaviors. He doesn't need to read my mind. He watches how I roll. My beliefs manifest in behavior. He, he doesn't need to read my mind. But also remember, Satan doesn't know the end from the beginning. If he did, he wouldn't have made the move to push Jesus to the cross. Think about it. If he knew the end from the beginning, 72 hours, you know they were celebrating. Satan's army was celebrating for 72 hours like it was divine chess going, ha ha. If that ain't checkmate, I don't know what is. Check. And in 72 hours, before he could finish the sentence and say, and mate, Jesus got up. And I just wonder if the angels weren't singing a song that went something like, checkmate, bro. <laughs> if Satan knew the end from the beginning, he would have never made that move. We got to stop giving Satan so much credit around here. He does not have all power but he likes to act like it. I want to give you some practical things that will help us all win in warfare. I'm trying to make this as simple as possible because when you're up under it, and let me just say, how many of us over the last 30 or 40 days have felt an intense spiritual attack personally? Put your hand up high, please. Yep, let's expose them. Put it up high. Let's smell your deodorant. <laughs> I'm on this list. Okay. This is why we're talking about this. Because it's more of us than I would have thought. Let me just give you some practical things. Because when we're in a fight, we don't need complexity. We need simplicity. So let's be simple. Here's the first thing. You want to win in warfare. Bring the one who reigns into it ASAP. Bring the one who reigns into it. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. Watch this. And he will flee from you. Speaking of believers, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
some of us act like he's never going to run. The simple reason is because oftentimes we've made agreements with him we're not even aware of. We're going to talk about that in point number three. How do we resist the devil, though, and get him to flee? Well, James 4, verse 8, I believe, gives us the answer to that question. Draw near to God. You want Satan to resist you? Draw near to God. When God walks into a room, this is what James 4, 7, and 8 are teaching us. Satan doesn't just leave the room, he runs from the room. So I try and bring him into it as much as possible. I want the manifest presence of God when I'm up under it. One of the, the young women that Holly and I met with this last week was what we call Bloom, who went through Embrace Grace. Incredibly brave young woman. And last Monday night, Holly and I sat down to do some inner healing and, and freedom ministry. It was about three and a half hours. She was so brave. I mean, just, it, it, we we're so proud of her. And then the next day, predictably, what happens? Satan starts lobbing every fiery dart he has at her mind. Now remember, Satan works through our flesh, but attacks our mind. You need to understand that. He works through the flesh, but he attacks the mind. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a child of God say, I had this thought when it wasn't actually theirs, it was a demonic thought, I would be one of the wealthiest people on planet Earth. Because no one told us. Like, I've had some crazy thoughts. And I used to think that meant I was crazy. Until I learned I have an enemy who's constantly trying to attack my mind. And then I was like, ah, silly rabbit. <laughs> Tricks are for kids. It just got that simple. Spiritual warfare is actually that simple. Here's why. Because Jesus already won the victory. I'm not fighting to win something. I'm just fighting to walk out the victory, to enforce it. And she, she was up under it. And the next day, I mean, she calls Holly and she's like, I, I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm just having all these thoughts. And so Holly calls me. She's like, hey, uh, 911, need you to jump on a Zoom. I'm like, great, let's do this thing. I get on the Zoom. She's feeling very overwhelmed like any of us would when Satan's bombarding like that. And I just felt the peace of the Holy Spirit so strongly and so present on the call. And I kind of just sweetly and sarcastically go, hey, a couple questions. Uh, I don't hear any worship music in the background. How come? Like when, I, when I was growing up playing basketball, we had pregame music. Worship is, is the music Satan hates. Satan wants our worship. So one of the fastest ways to check him is to give God the very thing Satan wants most, my worship. So how, how come there's no worship? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, no problem. Next question. When was the last time you opened up your Bible and just read a chapter? And she, she's crying, she, you know, it's been a really long time. And I go, well, that's really good news. And we're going to talk about scripture next. It's one of the most offensive weapons God has given us. It's the sword. It's offensive. It's not, not a shield. It's not defensive. It's offensive. You want to land some blows? Just go grab God's word. I said, when was the last time you spent more than five minutes alone with God in prayer? 
This has been a really long time. Well, that's good news. By the end of the call, it didn't even last 15, 20 minutes. Her countenance had totally changed. Want to know why? It didn't have anything to do with me. When light comes into a dark room, it changes the whole atmosphere. So that was a Wednesday. Then Thursday, we saw them at church. And I went back to your meet and greet to say, hey, countenance was totally different. Light is a feather in comparison. Does it mean everything will be easy? No. We have to keep walking in victory. Man, what a celebration in the house of God when one of his beloved daughters gets up on top victoriously in a way she never has before. I celebrate that. But here's the deal. She brought God into it. She didn't try and fight it alone. Here's the second point. You want to win in warfare? Bring his church into it immediately. It's one of the things we are most proud about, this young woman. She picked up the phone and reached out to Holly. And, and, and listen, she didn't reach out to the senior pastor's wife. She went through a group with my wife. That's how she got my wife's phone number. And because of community, when she felt attacked, she reached out to godly community. This is why we want you to be in a group. Because the easiest way to lose is to fight alone. We've spent the last two weeks talking about the importance of the church. Can we pray that the day of the statistic, the average church member goes to church 1.5 times per month, I hear it all the time. I am so sick and tired of that stat. Can we do something about it and make it go away? Maybe one of the reasons so many of the sheep have been losing over the last two years is that very statistic. The easiest sheep to pick off is the one sheep away from the 99. That's not a threat. Satan knows the Bible. Let me show you one of the verses why we are so passionately pro-church here. I'm not pro-church because I'm on staff. I'm I'm pro-church because of verses like this. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I, Jesus says, will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. (laughs) Did Jesus say that about Apple Incorporated? Did Jesus say that about any business organization on the planet? No, no. There's only one group of people on the planet. Jesus said, the powers of hell will not conquer it. It is the church. And we're, when we're up under the thumb of the enemy in warfare, one of the safest places to be is in the house of God, surrounded by the family of God. But one of the fastest way to lose, ways to lose is to fight alone. Bring his church into it. And here's the third point. This is a biggie. Reject the lies and accusations. Reject the lies and accusations. John 8, 44, Jesus said, he, speaking of Satan, has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him, Preston. When he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let me help you understand, and this is really important because every lie that comes from Satan, which you agree with, puts you in agreement with the father of lies. 
anybody wake up this morning and go, you know what sounds awesome today? I would like to come into agreement with the father of lies, the devil himself. Okay, then why do so many of us, when Satan comes with lies and accusations against us, do we agree with him and go, you're right. You're right. So let's just flip the lights on these lies and accusations. What does it sound like when Satan comes to lie and accuse you? Here's what it sounds like. He comes and it starts like this, this phrase. You are so... You are such a... You will always struggle with... Just fill in the blanks. Okay, let me just tell you from experience... 43, been walking with the Lord since I was 13. Never once, and he's had to deal with a bunch of stuff that was off in me. Never once has he ever started a conversation saying, Preston, you are so... He doesn't talk like that. When he wants to address something, here's his tone. Can we talk about this? Hey, there's something we need to talk about. Question. Why does Satan send his little minions to come accuse you about you? Scripture tells us that Satan stands before the throne of God day and night accusing the brethren, making accusations against me. Here's why Satan sends his minions to come accuse you lies about you. Because the very accusations he tried to get the father to receive about you, the father flatly immediately rejected and so the, the second best thing is to try and get you to receive the accusations the father rejected. And so he comes and he says, you're always going to struggle with this. You are so, you are so weak. Okay, again, let's come back to, uh, it's pretty obvious Satan doesn't have all knowledge you remember what the Bible says about when I am weak, what happens? Then he is strong. God is strong. So every time Satan comes and says, you are weak, flip the script and go, huh, you know what? This ain't going to come down to my strength. Because my Bible says, not by my might, not by my strength, but by God's spirit, says the Lord. And when I am weak, then he, God, is strong. You know, the one who has all power. Now, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not telling you to engage with the devil. I remember one of the strongest angels literally said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. I would never tell you what you need to do is get into a verbal scrap fest with the enemy. You need to understand his devices, scripture says. But listen, I take all of my complaints about Satan and his minions to the one who has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. We can command him to go, but I don't get him in conversations. That, that would be like Michael Jordan talking with Isaiah Thomas before he's about to obliterate him. And trust me, that day did come for those Detroit Pistons in my childhood. Listen, Satan comes to lie and accuse you. Don't agree with him. Don't agree with a liar. Reject it. You can't win the war if you agree, if you come into agreement with his lies about you.
Isaiah 54, verse 17. Some of us love this, this verse as it relates to warfare. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, Preston. How come very few people quote the rest of the verse? Look at what it says. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, Preston, you will condemn. When it comes to lie to you about you, Preston, you have got to condemn him because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when he condemns you, he's trying to convince you his lie is the truth. And Preston, any lie you don't reject, you will eventually make your truth. So you must condemn his lies. You cannot win, Preston, in warfare if you agree with the liar's accusations. Here's the fourth way to win in warfare. Obey him consistently. I never heard this growing up, that obedience is a mighty weapon. My obedience is a mighty weapon in the hands of Almighty God. Listen to Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Isn't it interesting that the Bible teaches us that disobedience to God is obedience to the devil? See, some of us love this narrative. God, God just wants us to be legalistic, that obedience is just a religious, legalistic thing. Uh, no, it's actually a warfare thing. Let me, let me just show you one of my favorite verses. Deuteronomy 28. It's the chapter of blessings and curses related to obedience. First 14 verses, Preston, if you obey, these are the promises you can bank on. The next 14 verses. But Preston, if you disobey, and then I think it's like 53 or 54 verses about curses, if I disobey. Let me read you Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. The Lord will conquer your enemies, Preston, if you obey. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. Your enemies will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. I wish I could tell you that the reason I love to obey God was solely because I'm just good like that. I've told you for years, I am intensely competitive and I hate to lose. And I love when my spiritual enemies run around like chickens with their heads cut off. The same way the Philistines ran around when Jonathan and his armor bearer climbed that hill, took their half acre, terror swept through the entire Philistine army. Two young men took out 20 soldiers and God just took out the rest of an army. <laughs> Obedience, the Bible says, is a weapon in the hands of our mighty God. That when I obey, while my enemy might come at me one direction, he flees from me because of my obedience to God in seven different directions. That means the next time you feel you're up under it, under attack, you might just kind of sarcastically, just to make yourself laugh a little bit, not feel that heaviness that Satan loves to try and put upon you. You just kind of make yourself laugh by going, Lord, would you give me something to do right now? I would love to obey you right now. You, you want me to read something? What would you like me to read? Would you please tell me something to do? Preston, I want you to read the entire book of Hosea right now. Thank you, Jesus, 
And then I start reading. And you know what I do as I go from chapter to chapter? Bye, 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 bye. Seven different directions. Get on up out of here. Obedience does that. Not my strength. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Preston, I'm under attack. And it's ugly. Okay, one of the first questions I usually ask. What's the last thing God told you to do that you refused to do? Disobedience. My disobedience is one of Satan's favorite weapons to use against God. That's Genesis 3. What did Satan try and get them to do? And what was he successful in getting them to do? Disobey what God said. You want to win? Obey. Don't set the rules. Follow God's. Then here's the fifth. You want to win in warfare? Walk in authority. Walk in authority. Just going to read you verses and we're going to be done. Romans 13 verse 1. For all authority comes from God. How much authority? All authority comes from God. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go. Okay, well, where did Jesus get the authority from? The Father. Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. Jesus said, all things, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. God has all authority. God gave Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. And watch this next part. Because this is where you come in. Luke 10, 19. Jesus says to his disciples, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Two really interesting words in this passage, exousia and dunamis. Dunamis meaning power, exousia meaning authority. Question, if you had to choose between authority or power, which would you rather have? Okay, some say authority. How many of you would say, I'd rather have power? Give me, give me power. How many of you would say, I'd rather have authority? Some of you are like, I don't know, Preston. That's okay. Let me help you understand. Good news is you get both. But let me help you understand why it's so important to understand. When authority is an approximate thing. God has all authority. So the only way to get authority is from God. Right? Power, here's the way I describe power. It's the physical ability to perform something. That's what dunamis means. And it can be supernatural as well. Exousia is the legal right to enforce something. So let me illustrate it. Imagine a, a really big company and the CEO is not physically strong in power, more uh, just uh, she, let, let's say it's a she. Uh, she is not benching or squatting the most physically in the organization. And she gets a report of an employee who's doing things that are not in alignment with the values of the organization. And the CEO walks into the office of this employee and this particular employee happens to bench 500 pounds and squat 500 pounds, quite strong in power. The CEO walks in and says, we appreciate your time here, but we're going to have to let you go. Please pack up your things. Security is going to escort you off the premises. 
Okay, who's going to win in that battle? The one with authority or the one with power? I need you to answer. Okay, here's why I need you to answer. One of the biggest lies Satan loves to try and convince every child of God of is this. You are weak. You're weak, Preston. You can't do this because you're weak. You are powerless. Number one, that's not even true. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and empowers me. And I can't forget that, and neither can any child of God. But even if I am in a weak moment, which we all have, I'm still not without authority. Jesus said, I give you exousia, authority over all the power, dunamis, of the enemy. So Preston, even when you feel weak, you still have my authority. And you can walk into any room where there's darkness or when darkness tries to set on you, you don't need to try and fight it all by yourself. You just drop my name. I am the CEO with all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. Preston, I don't even understand all of this stuff. Neither did everybody who applied the blood to the doorpost, but if they put the blood up, they were spared. <laughs> I like this guy over here. I don't even know who that is. I can't even see you, but that's great. Okay, so where does our power and authority come from? The blood of Jesus. It's the blood. Revelation 12. We overcome our enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.